Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. This is Scene with Miranda, a show about identity. Not your typical interview format, I ask guests to provide a list recounting the ways they have been viewed, judged, and rendered invisible or wholly seen. This scene list guides our conversation about identity while pursuing the question, how are you seen? I'm your host, Miranda Wiley. In this episode, I talk with Ebony Stewart, a touring poet, playwright, and sex ed advocate. She always brings the house down at Bedpus Confessions, the live storytelling show I produce here in Austin, Texas. And this is mostly how I know Ebony, as a performer who's always profesh, punctual, and takes pride in her craft. Whether performing a three-minute, 10-second slam piece, a 15-minute story at Bedpost Confessions, or for her solo shows, Hunger and Ocean, Ebony's work is powerful, y'all. But you don't have to leave this podcast to hear it. I mean, do check out her work. Links in the show notes. And also, Ebony wrote a poem that examines the role of artists and fans as her scene list. Here's my conversation with Ebony Stewart. Welcome, Ebony Stewart, to the Scene with Miranda podcast. It's a pleasure to have you here. Would you begin by reading your scene list? What do you do for a living? What do you write about? So basically, you're on vacation all the time. Scene. You're so brave. What's your favorite word to use? Where has been your favorite place to perform? What were you thinking when you wrote that one poem? I love your work. I usually don't like angry poetry. Scene. Your work and what you do is so unique. What's it like being a full-time artist? I'm so lonely. I can't sleep. Depression is the star of every poem I write. I water my plants. The leaves grow, but the flowers die. You command so much on stage. When you said blank, I felt blank. Was that part true? My favorite poet is blank. Do you know... Do you know, you should really listen to their work. Scene. Does music ever influence your work? My partner broke up with me. How do you want to be introduced? So you're a slam poet. Can you perform on this date for this many hours for free? 
How did you become a full-time artist? Thank God this city has Panera Bread. Do you have kids? Do you want kids? You should have some. I bet you'd be a great mom. You'd probably have to slow down so you could have a kid. No one wants to watch someone just stand on stage and do poems. Scene. I'm my favorite poet. Thank you so much, Ebony. It was beautifully done. Um, what was it like to document the scene list? And also, was it natural for you to do it as a poem? Or did you see the example that I gave you and feel like you had to conform and then were like, fuck it, no, I'm going to do it the way that I do it? Uh, I think it just felt it felt like this is really cool. This is a cool concept. I can get into this. Um, it seemed authentic in a way that you all let people construct their own questions for an interview almost, um, where like you're interviewing yourself. Uh, but for me, I didn't start out thinking that it was going to be a poem um, or that it, it's just oftentimes I try to conform in the way that people show me something and then something else happens when it gets on the page because my brain does that. So, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that's what I figured. And you, I mean, you're exactly right. I mean, I want this to be where the guest really brings to the conversation what they want to bring to the conversation. So what I took from your scene list is that um, you have these different labels of a full-time artist and you're on vacation all the time mm -hmm. and you, uh, you know, work for free or at least get asked to work for free. Yeah. Um, and, you know, you are a slam poet of which you are the only adult female three-time slam champion in Austin, Texas. Mm -hmm. Fuck yeah. <laughs> you write poetry, prose, and spoken word, and you are an interdisciplinary and theater artist. Um, so what is the difference between these types of work? Like yeah. in terms of like poetry, prose, slam, you know, is there any difference at all? Um, and does calling yourself a full-time artist feels like the biggest, the best umbrella to encompass all these different uh, things that you do? Yeah, you asked some really good questions. Um, it was also a lot. <laughs> I realize I do that. I ask too many questions. No, and they're all really good. Yeah, so we can parse that out and I'll yeah. try and remember okay. them as well. All right. Well, you know, uh, I, I think... And starting with, like, the umbrella, is it the best umbrella for yeah. me? Uh, I, don't, I don't know. I don't have the right answer for that. But it is something that I strived for and I worked really hard for and I worked really hard to do is to be a full-time artist. And not a lot of people are fortunate enough to get paid to do what it is that they love to do. And so um, I'm always humbled by being able to say that I'm a full-time artist. Um, so then when people ask me to perform for free, it's like, you don't respect what I do. You like what I do. You like the emotions that it might um, bring about, but you don't want to pay me because you don't think that it's important enough. Um, the other questions that you had, though, what were they? Well, give me something else. Um, so, oh, the different categories of your ah. work between like poetry, prose, spoken word, and theater artist. Yeah, the, the differences, I feel, they, there are some really big differences in that. When, it, when you talk about being a slam poet, that means that, to me, slam is a competition, right? And so if you say that you're a slam poet, then you compete, um, which means that your poems have to be three minutes and ten seconds or less. So there is uh, confinement in that, right? In the artistry of you constructing something really beautiful and then having to be like, well, wait a minute. You know, I don't want to get a time penalty. I don't want to get docked any 
anything more than what it was supposed to be. So yeah, you definitely whittle it down a little bit and try to just get to the most concise meat. But when I'm just like free writing or I'm creating a poem that I just want to share, I don't think about time restraints in that way. I also, what people don't understand, I don't slam a whole, whole lot. So uh, in 2017, when I became Woman of the World Poetry Champion, you know, yes. uh, I had only slammed that one time that year. And I don't think people realize that, you know. So I don't slam a whole, whole lot anymore just because it's not the most fulfilling and uh, financially beneficial to me <laughs> in that way. But there are these umbrellas. So then when you have uh, when you have a theater artist and you're creating a script, right, nothing gets thrown away. You just, you're just writing. You're just creating. Nothing gets thrown away because you might need it. And... Uh, even if you think that it's crap, if you're working with a director and they're like, oh, no, I love this, but I need you to expand on it, you need to know where to go back to find that and think about where you were in that position and situation when you wrote that. Whereas in poetry, you're trying to be, or slam, you're trying to be as concise as possible um, and get to, the, get to the meat and potatoes. But, you know, script for theater, you, you get the meat, the potatoes, the cake, the... You know, <laughs> the lemonade, you know, <laughs> the Kool-Aid, you get all kind of shit. So, yeah, I, I love I love that I'm able to flex in different areas of artistry and just be as necessary as I can possibly be in all of those areas. Yeah. Does anyone of them feel, do you feel like you can ha identify with all of those? Like being that, I didn't realize you didn't do much slam poetry. So if yeah, someone calls anymore. you a slam poet, does that feel incorrect? I mean, you won... Uh, sometimes, right? If I am on a certain stage and someone calls me a slam poet and I'm like, I think that they are thinking, this is all in my head, right? They didn't tell me this. This didn't happen. This is just what I am thinking that they're saying but didn't say, that I am less than in some kind of way because I'm a slam poet. So I only have this ability to write in this way. So then, therefore, my work isn't doesn't translate to academia or doesn't translate to a smarter scale of, of some sorts, right? I'm not a Robert Frost or whoever these old people is, you know? So it's like, oh, well, you know, you're a slam poet, so you can only compete. So I take it like maybe that maybe it's a little dig um, at my creativity and, and my abilities even, but I could swing which way. Um, I like making believers out of people that don't believe in me. So I, I don't. it doesn't bother me too, too much, but... Initially, I'm like, mm, what are you really saying? Uh -huh. You know? Yeah, that touches on some questions that I have for you about your scene list. Um, so you are a touring performer, which means someone has seen or heard something of your work and they decided to book you. Mm -hmm. um, and so can you talk a bit about someone's first reaction to you mm. um, on site? Like you you land, they pick you up, or they, however it works. <laughs> I don't I don't know how your world works, like yeah. in terms of touring. Or you get yourself to the place that you need to get to. Yeah, come on. And then... <laughs> <laughs> what is someone's first impression of you um, based on what they thought of you booking you? And then here after you perform, um, has is there a change? Like, what is it? Just take me through the experience of what it's like to be a touring performer and be, you know, I, kn I know you from performing in yeah. Austin. Yeah. And so it's part of your home base. So yeah, that definitely. must be different to go out to places where you don't have your cheering squad in areas sure I think people uh think that touring or being a full-time artist of any sort that there is like this huge luxury and uh 
somebody's rubbing your feet, you know, or something like this. And that's not never. That ain't never happened to me. I don't know. Maybe I ain't making enough money. But uh, I'm not on a big enough scale yet. But um, usually I get myself to these places, yeah, okay? okay? <laughs> <laughs> um, and that's And that's not because the school's... Because uh, I'm usually on the college circuit, so the college and university circuit. So it's not because they won't come pick me up or they won't schedule my flight, but it's more because I would rather not relinquish that to them. Um, I, I like to know my own schedule because I know what I got to do and when I want to be out. You know, if I'm somewhere like Batesville, Arkansas, uh, I'm not trying to stay there for a long ass time. So no, no diss on, well, kind of a diss on Batesville. Um, but yeah, so I usually get myself to these places. Um, I show up to my hotel, I get some rest, try to eat something good. Uh, hopefully they have a Panera Bread, because um, a lot of these places are in the middle of nowhere. So if they got Panera Bread, I'm like, oh man, thank God, because like, my diet's a little different. Um, and then I get to the school, and some, I guess sometimes there's students or people that don't know who I am, and I never walk into a room assuming that people know who I am anyways. Um, that's just not about who I am. I like to prove myself. Uh, I also get very uncomfortable when they read my bio because I don't really think people care about bios. You know, it's like this pretentious something like, look what I did and what all I can do. And then I still got to prove to you who I am anyway. Mm -hmm. So yeah, I hate bios. Um, they make me uncomfortable, but they use, they, they read this long ass bio. And then, um, I get up there and I do these poems and, a lot of times what I experience is, you know, your poetry is so brave. How did you write this? Oh, my God, I watched you on YouTube. Um, you're so great. Why didn't you do this one poem? What did? What were you really trying to say about this poem? Uh, or I get someone who's never been to sit in a poetry show at all, right? And they're like, usually I don't like angry poetry. Uh, and I'm like, wait, are you trying to say my poetry is angry? Or, you know, like, as if anger is an emotion that I'm allowed to have anyways. But then there's also people who are like, I've never been to a poetry show before, but I really appreciate your work. Like, I didn't know poetry could be funny. I didn't know um, it, it, it's not always sad. Like, that's really cool that you're able to do that. And so, you know, I go in and I'm, I'm going to do a poem about my sixth grade boys, like teaching, teaching sexual health, right? And uh, I'm gonna go in, I'm doing some poems about how to flirt with someone, but then I can also hit you over the head with like my relationship with my father and, um, you know, sexual assault or abuse or something. So I wanna try to pull a huge range out. And so when the show is over, even if you've seen me before, it's almost as if, I saw her on YouTube and this was a completely different experience. And I love that because I feel like in person is always better. Definitely. Yeah. For me anyway. Yeah, for sure. So you've brought up some of the things that um, I was wanted to talk about. Yeah. Um, your scene list has 14 questions. <laughs> is I that counted a lot? them. Is that too many? It's know. not a lot or too many. It's just, <laughs> it's, I'm just, um, you know, taking note yeah, there's sure. a lot of questions so it's you know what do you do for a living what's your favorite word to use how how did you become a full-time artist what do you write about how do you want to be introduced so your slam poet question mark so the tone of all these questions kind of varies yeah um but the theme if i could pull a theme from them is really about boundary setting sure in a way sure so um 
it's like working on boundaries of how much you're willing to give away for free of your work, mm -hmm. working on boundaries in terms of like explaining to other people what it takes to be a full-time artist. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And then how much you want to even explain to your fans about yeah. your inspirations, your favorite word, and why did you do this one and not that one? Yeah. And, and so, um, did you were you aware that that like the, of these all these questions and also, um, like I'm kind of exhausted by the questions. Yeah, right. Too. Yeah, me too. Yeah, me too. <laughs> and I was almost like I feel I don't even want to ask her anything. Yeah, like, <laughs> that's so true, right? But um, but just um, yeah. If you could speak a bit about yeah. that in terms of. Has that been hard to figure out your boundaries in terms of where what you want to give and um, and what and when you feel like it gives back to you to give? Yeah, those are that's a great question and uh, a lot to think about too, right? Like what I've come to know is that I didn't know that people would be so curious about any one particular person, but when you share a lot, people either want to share with you afterwards because now they feel open and able like the door has been opened and they assume that you want to hear about their life or that that's all they have to give, right? You gave so much of yourself, let me give a lot to you too, right? Or that's what they assume they're doing. Um, but they, they do ask a lot of questions and I do get bombarded. Uh, and, and sometimes I've tried to like say, I really want to answer that question, but I'm just not in the space to do that. And you think that would work, but it doesn't. Um, I haven't really figured out why in particular that is, besides there is an intriguing, uh, mysterious something to this fact that this person shared this part of their life, so I wanna know more, right? And we are creatures of wanting to know, and so they instantly, while they're hearing these poems and this work, are formulating uh, familiarity with it, right? But then they're also like seeking other answers to questions that they have in their head about something that I've already said and I've moved past. Um, and then they automatically assume that because you've been on stage and you've shared this much that you want to share more with them. And that's never the case for me. Uh, I, I feel like the, the artwork should be enough. What I shared should be enough. And I totally understand um, being curious and wanting to know more. But I start to get curious as to why you think you deserve to know more. Um, rather than just respecting what I've already given you. And I'm not nasty or ugly about it. I'm just also exhausted from all the questions, not to mention the questions usually come after I've performed. So then therefore I'm just spent. I'm, I, I really don't have any more to give um, in conversation. But yeah, I, I think it comes from a very genuine place and I'm still learning how to create those boundaries for how much I wanna share and how much I don't wanna share. Um, and then the other part about sharing things is that you open yourself up for criticism and then people think that it's okay to criticize your work because you shared your work. Um, and that's hard for me a lot of the time, right? Because as an artist, like my primary goal is just to, to share the work and give you a lens that maybe you hadn't looked out of before or to say something that you haven't been able to say in a certain way, right? Um, not to necessarily be criticized because you couldn't do it the way I did it, right? If you could do it better than shit, write your own stuff, you know? That's how I feel about it. But, you know, it's, it's, um, it's trying, but it, uh, the, the challenge of 
boundary setting is so unique to every single person because a person might come up to me and just start crying and I don't know what to do, right? Um, so I'll be like, can I hug you? Is that okay? Uh, or I'll say, thank you so much for seeing me, right? Uh, but I oftentimes get get like choked up too if they're getting choked up because I'm like, I might be thinking about that poem still or, or what I'm talking or what I'm going through that day, right? And they might not even know. So the boundary setting is huge, especially with poetry, and it is also very overwhelming. And there's so many questions that I get asked after a show. Um, some of them didn't even make this list. It's 14 questions you said. Yeah, that's a lot. So <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so many didn't even get did get put on here. Yeah. So that's interesting to hear that that connection that people are trying to have with you it doesn't always work for you as a positive thing because I think a lot of times people think that is the the narrative of someone who is an artist and that then they like hearing all the feedback and the the responses and it, it it's like a positive vibe circle yeah. you know it's like it's um it's validating yeah um, Definitely, so I do think it's validating. Yeah, I do. I just also think that there is a certain uh, overstimulation, mm-hmm. right, in a, in the process of that. Like, yes, I want to receive the validation. Yes, I want to hear your opinion about these things. But I don't know if there's something that we can say or do to make sure that that person is in that space to hear that feedback. Yeah, exactly. I think I think what you're talking about, too, is the timing of something like as a producer of Bedpost Confessions and working with people's work. I I can know when and I know to ask and be like, hey, are you open to feedback on this piece? Because I know also as like a writer myself, the door closes then at some point and it's like, I don't want to hear it, you know? And so especially like once you have done like a lot of your one acts, if you're getting feet, like you have, you were rehearsing for on that show for like eight months or 10 months. Oh my God. So long. (laughs) So long. So long, y'all. I just want you to know (laughs) I was rehearsing for Ocean. For so long. <laughs> do you remember our conversation? I, I was like having a nervous breakdown. It was so long. So like if someone comes to you after that show and has some sort of critique or something and you're like, no, no. door is closed. Do you not understand how long I had been working on this? Yeah. Yeah. Oh my and God. Also just, yeah. And in that way, I think too, what you're talking about is the access because you gave so much yeah. of yourself yeah. in that piece. And like I could see that you were jubilant in a way to have gone through that but you were also like yeah I have a I have a boundary now I have to have some protection to be able to give all of myself into that yes um, god <laughs> <laughs> yes god congratulations thank you for oh, Jesus. so getting back to your scene list like I I pulled this from your um that your scene is a converter and you've already kind of touched on this in a way of like I usually don't like angry poetry oh. when I get that comment I usually don't like angry poetry it usually comes from a white woman usually really and I think that it's a thing where um they feel attacked by something I've said and then immediately when they felt attacked they also related so then they have to like have that conversation with themselves like what is it about this person instead of just seeing me as a woman that they can relate to and be like oh word yeah, but then also the idea is that women in general are not allowed to be angry, 
um, because there's a stereotype or a cliche there. If they are angry, then something is wrong with their emotions. They're out of balance, right? But then men get to be allowed, only get to be allowed to be angry instead of having, there's a plethora of emotions out there, people. You know what I mean? Um, And so I think angry is, is an easy, man, that's an easy out to say that my poetry is angry. Also, could we just pause for a second? Because do do you even feel like the response that you're getting to this is correct and that the poetry was angry? Nah, I never felt my poetry was angry. Yeah, that's the other thing that confused me about this because... It doesn't seem to make sense. Also, I, <laughs> I really thought I really thought that was going to be a man that said that. Nah, it's okay. usually it's usually white women that say that to me. Um, men say stuff like, "Oh Lord, what do men say?" They say more stuff like, uh, "Do you have any poems about you know your body, or do you have any poems, or do you think about?" just being a woman all the time. They they act stupid shit. So, you know, they don't they don't ask about angry so so much, but when they do, there it's it's usually a poem that they will literally say, "I feel targeted by that poem." And I'm like, "Oh, well what are you doing? This targeting yourself? Like is 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 the target on your back real? Are you actually doing these things and you just right now feeling a little self-conscious?" You know what I mean? So, uh yeah, it and also, I don't think I have so much of men don't really know how to approach me sometimes because they don't know what I'm going to say. And I love that shit. Yeah, you don't know what I'm going to say. You don't know if I'm going to pop off. You don't know if I'm going to act a fucking fool. You don't know. Or if I'm going to be like really sweet and quiet and be like, oh, thank you. I appreciate that. Yeah, that's so nice of you. Thanks for coming over. Or if I'm just going to look at you and not say nothing. You know what I mean? Because I feel like I have like a range of emotions. Do you that do I can, all of those things? All of those things have happened. I love it. <laughs> Cause I don't, I don't, you, I don't owe you nothing. You know what I mean? Especially my, my tolerance for men is already just so, so small. Mm. It's so, it's so bitty. I'm, I'm feeling <laughs> that. I'm feeling that. So yeah, men don't really always approach me, and they don't really know what to say a lot of the time. Um, so they usually just say, "I appreciate your work" or "I like that." But I have had like, I don't know if you remember this poem that I had about uh, Smiley. Oh, yeah. You know what I'm talking about? So I read that poem somewhere, and uh, this guy was just like, well, can I just have a conversation with you about that? Like, I really want to understand. So sometimes they come up to me, and they just want to really understand why is that a a problem? Why is that an issue? Or how else should I ask, you know, if something is wrong with you? I say, you could just ask. You don't have to tell me to smile or anything to do with my face. You could just say, are you okay? Or I hope your day gets better. Or... Uh, how is your day? You know, you could just ask these questions. You don't have to assume that there's anything wrong with me. Yeah. Oh, mind your business, too. That's always yeah. an option. Oh, my God. Mind your business. That I had, <laughs> I wrote that down somewhere as, like, I think it was in the questions. Because yeah. some of them I felt like I could hear a tone of you being, like, mind your business. And then other ones I could feel like, oh, okay, come come here. Come yeah. here, honey. Like, I will yeah. I will help an, you and escort you. And, yeah. And, be your friend in this moment that yeah, you're having. Gentle. Yeah, you know? sure. Yeah, sure. But the mind your business is real. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I want to talk about from your scene list, uh, you say yeah. depression is the star of every poem I write. Yeah. What is depression like for you and how do you cope? Yeah. Uh I'm still learning how to cope, right? I think every day is different. And I have days where I'm like, I'm really good. You know, and then there's days where I'm like really bad or 
I started out really good, now I'm like really bad, right? In, in one day. So for me, depression looks like, oh, you're not sleeping, you're not eating, you're not talking to anyone. Uh, sometimes depression looks like someone telling me that I'm depressed, which I'll give you an example. They'll say, um, have you lost weight? And you look like you lost weight. I need to feed you. And uh, then I'm reminded, yeah, I haven't been eating because I'm, I'm, I'm sad, I'm depressed, yeah, I'm tired, or, you know, these things. Um, but then they always conclude with, but you look good, though. Yeah. And I just wish that they would start with what, they, what they're going to conclude with anyways, right? Because um, then I don't believe you. After you've said this, then I don't believe you. So that is a, it, it always reminds me that I'm depressed. And also, this person added nothing to how I'm feeling besides mentioning my depression and what they see, but not, do you need something? What can I do? Are you okay? Uh, and so then that ends up being another spiral or a uh, notch on the depression. Um, I think a lot of people don't understand when you're a full-time artist in, in, in the way I roll, I'm by myself all the time. And so you go to all these beautiful places and I know, or I'm assuming that that is why people take so many pictures and put them on Instagram, right? Because they want you to see this moment. And when I first started out, I really wanted to do that. I really wanted to show people, but just how I feel about my work, you won't get the full experience until you see me. I feel that exact same way about the stuff, the beautiful things that I see on the road. You won't get it in a picture. Like, you'll be like, oh, wow, that's nice, you know? But the breathtaking or the way that it uh, stopped a heartbeat, right? <sighs> Seeing that, you won't see it in the picture. You won't have that feeling, that emotion. So um, I feel like that's how a lot of, like, my depression coincides with all of this beauty. A lot of people say you shouldn't write from a depressed place. Uh, that that art isn't always about depression, and I agree, it's not always about that. But if I'm going to be true to myself as an artist, sometimes, a lot of the time, it is, and I create some really beautiful, honest work that way. Um, but yeah, you know, like my depression might also look like me going shopping online. You know. <laughs> that's my jam. That's my jam right there. So that when I get home, I got packages, you know, <laughs> that, that makes me feel good. So, yeah, it's uh, it's. I, I feel like sometimes a lot of the time in this current time, when people see me on stage, they don't know that I'm performing under the illusion that I that I'm not falling apart. And I think that's that would be too hard for people to take because people always want to be happy. They always want to feel good. Um, people don't know how to have other emotions in a moment that will make them uncomfortable. And you and I have talked about that. So I, you know, um, but it doesn't stop what I create. Um, it's the only way I can be authentic to myself. And really, quite honestly, the the poetry and the artistry of what I do came from me wanting to heal myself. So that's what I'm going to continue to do anyway. What's the 
greatest thing that someone can do to see you and support you at, after a show? Like, speak to the people right now. Like, <laughs> what, can they, what, what could what, you do? Yeah, do you want? Pe- do you just want to be like, thank you, thank you for your time? Do you not even really want people to say thanks? Yeah, I think that if people would just say thank you, or this touch me, or if they would just ask, can I follow up with you later? Can I get your your email so I can follow up with you later? Um, that would feel good because that would mean that they see that I'm exhausted and don't want to take anything else from me. Um, or if they just said, I appreciate your work. Or what really would like blow my mind is if someone would say, I appreciate your work. I want to... I want to donate something. I want to sponsor you. I want to get you on this stage. How can we do that? I'm going to talk to my people and find out. You know what I mean? Like, that would be great. People don't always do that. And sometimes they don't have the resources, and I get that. Um, But that would blow my mind if people would actually follow up in a way that would be a service to me um, that is beneficial to my career and its continuation. So that leads me perfectly into this line from your scene list of I'm my favorite poet, Mm. which feels very a la RuPaul's Drag Race. Um, (laughs) (laughs) You can't love yourself. How the hell are you going to love? Yeah. I love me some RuPaul. I know. I do, too. Um, So, it's yeah, it's very much like if you can't love yourself, how the hell are you going to love somebody else? Um, Talk to me about that. People are always like, who's your favorite poet? Who's your favorite poet? They want to tell me who their favorite poet is. and. This is no disrespect. I don't care who your favorite poet is. I really don't care. Like, good for you that that's your favorite poet. Or, yeah, hey, I actually know that person. What? You know what I mean? Like, I, But I don't care. And I know that sounds, that might sound uh, pompous or something. I don't know. But, or arrogant. I don't mean it to be that way. I truly believe that there are so many good poets out there that it's almost, it's almost not truthful for you to say that you have a favorite poet. You're not being honest. Like there's so many poets out there and you probably haven't even heard them all. So how do you got a favorite? You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So what I can conclude from that is that I am my favorite poet because I'm with my poetry all the time. I'm creating this shit myself. Um, so why, why, why should I not be my favorite, right? But yeah, I think there are so there's so many poets out there that it, it, it doesn't make sense to me. But I'm like that with favorites, period. Like the word favorite always throws me off anyways. And somebody's like, oh, this is my favorite ice cream. Really? There's so many flavors. Right. Because <laughs> it, it boxes you in. Yeah. And then you're you limiting that, yourself. Yeah. You're you in talking that about? label. And that's your identity of, you know, you're in that category. Yeah. yeah. If I can start out my favorite, then that means I got some kind of self-love for myself. Uh, that I got something that that I see a value in myself uh, that other people might not see. So how you feel about your favorite is how I want to be able to feel about myself. Fuck yeah. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? So like, oh, I love that. <laughs> That's really all it is. That's really all it is. Um, all right. Well, this maybe will bring us down a little bit okay. from that moment. But um, what do you think about this? Like, you probably have to slow down so that you can have a kid. What mm. does that even mean? Mm. So I'm assuming someone people d- talking about. someone said that to you. People say all kind of crazy stuff to me. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> they say all kind of crazy stuff. So I, let me just say this: I just got a dog. I got a puppy. You did a Shiba Inu. Her name is Michonne. 
I love her. Hey, Michonne. Uh, <laughs> shout out to Michonne. And and I bring her on the road with me sometimes. And people say, why did you get a dog? You're on the road all the time. Oh, my God. You need to slow. How, now it's your dog going to slow you up. You, you, you're just going to have to not be able to do. You can't take your dog everywhere. And I feel like it's the equivalent to when people were telling me you should have a kid now because you're this age. And if you wait too long, you won't be able to have one or or look at what your career is doing. Um, now is the time to have one. Or if you get pregnant now, you'll have to slow down. You won't have time to do as much work or travel to all these exotic places. And I feel like people only say that to women. That's first off. Yep. That criticism only happens to women, in my humble opinion. And then the other part of it is just like, why can't I have both? Why do I got to choose between my career and my uterus or my career and my dog? You know what I mean? Like, why can't I just, you know, dogs existed before careers. <laughs> I'm, I'm sure of it. <laughs> before women were working, there were dogs. So it's like, why is this a thing, you know? Um, and to, to say that women have to do something different in order to, have a family or a life outside of their career is also its own limiting um, overcast, right? It's like you're already saying that you don't believe that I can do it. And when you're saying that you don't believe I can, you're also saying you don't believe I should. If you're saying that you don't believe I should, then you're saying that you won't, right? Because you got to choose. And I, uh, I definitely get... A lot of people on both sides. You should have a kid. You shouldn't have a kid. If you had a kid, you'd be a great mom, though. Uh, and I don't know. If, you know how hard it is to keep a per a whole human being alive? You know what I'm yeah. saying? Like, dogs are easy. <laughs> you can leave them with someone, child. But a, but a baby? So I, I go back and forth on what I want to do with that. And I know that the the distractions in my mind of making that decision comes from that criticism. Um, and I don't even know, right? Like, I don't really know if I would be a good mom or not. I'm very selfish. I like my own time. I hear that, that kids don't like their own time to themselves, you know? I I, I, would li I like naps. Um, and not just when, when someone else when is when sleeping. Saw, yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, I like to take random naps. Uh, so, yeah, I, it's interesting. It's interesting the way that um, women are, are held in a certain place just with a word, career, or just baby. The two almost shouldn't go together hand in hand. And then if you do, you, it's like, oh, it's because, oh, well, you know, Beyonce did it. So, but Beyonce can do it because Beyonce has help and she has a team and... Uh, then you have to make excuses as to why it was okay for this woman to do it and not this woman. So yeah. the competition continues between women, right? I don't it like does. it. I don't like it. So tell me this. How okay. would you like to be seen a year from now? Hmm. My hope is that there'll be fewer questions. My hope is that... Um, in the moment of saying seen, I'll really actually be seen. 
Um, my hope is that I will have new adventures that I'm starting and creating that I'm proud of. Uh, that I can just continue to uh, make work that is healing to myself and others. So I want to be that poet that is familiar in that way. Like, this is the experience that you should expect. Um, I want more Panera breads to go up in the world. <laughs> uh, hopefully I'll, I'll, I'll have a nap or two. <sighs> I don't know. I, I, I will have a partnership with the love of my life. You know, uh, I want simple things. They seem simple, but they're so big. But I, w I want the simple things and the big things to happen a year from now. Thank you. Thank you for writing the guidebook <laughs> on how to support Ebony Stewart. Yeah. And I would love to have you back on the show. Anytime. Uh, and yeah, but especially when you are feeling more seen and how you have been more yeah. seen. And yeah. I really appreciate you being on the show and taking the time. And thank you. Thank you. Me. Ebony Stewart hates bios, but I can't help myself from sharing this part of hers. The former sex health educator with resting bitch face, sometimes known as the gully princess, writes because she has to and eats cupcakes for fun. I'll let Ebony share where she can be found. So if you are on Instagram, you can find me at Gully Princess, G-U-L-L-Y, Princess. Ain't no Zs, ain't no underscores. If you are on Twitter, I do rants and retweets, E-B Poetry, E-B Poetry. Um, you can also just find my website at ebpoetry.com. I have a new book called Homegirlhood that is out. It is at Right About Now, right, as in W-R-I-T-E, aboutnow.com. Uh, get that. Let me know what you think. The scene team includes me, Miranda Wiley, and producer Mariah Gossett. Music by Solid State Dream Suit. Follow us on Facebook and Instagram at scene underscore with underscore Miranda. You'll find me mostly on Instagram documenting my scene list or what others call living for the gram or personal branding or social media marketing. It's really all the same. We're all just trying to be seen and make connections. What do you think of the show? Want to be a guest or know a great guest for the show? Email us at hello at scenepodcast.com. And if you're enjoying this podcast, please write us a review on iTunes or give us that five-star rating. Thanks so much for listening. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com.